All right, friends, this is Pastor Ernie Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. And uh, today uh, we are uh, back at it here uh, with our Bible study as we journey through the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 16 and 17. Uh, and there's a lot to go over today. So um, without further ado, why don't we just uh, uh, kick into this? Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we know that you work, that you seek us out, that you are the God of seeing, uh, the God who looks after us, and the God who gives us the everlasting covenant in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us in the hope and comfort, knowing that though we face uh, the, the multitudes of, of affliction and, and uh, distress, Lord, grant us your peace, uh, knowing full well that through the giving of your Son, you have given us already the victory and the redemption of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, wherever and however you are listening to this. Uh, may this word go well with you. We have a lot to go over today in Genesis 16 and 17. A lot of good stuff here. Uh, when it comes to why is it so important who our God is and <coughs> the indication of what that means for Hagar, Abram, Sarai, Ishmael, um, and, and, and how significant it is for you at the end of the day uh, with the everlasting covenant that he has given um, ultimately in Christ Jesus. So why don't, we, why don't we kick in here, if you have your Bibles out. Uh, turn to Genesis 16. And apologies if you hear a random beep. I know one of our, one of our, uh, something's beeping in here. So I haven't gotten to the bottom of it, but uh, hopefully it's not a nuisance-like sound for you. All right. So, uh, getting back at it here uh, with a review of the week before. Um, Sarah, uh, upset with Hagar. Uh, Hagar, uh, with the word or with the baby in the womb, uh, believing that uh, maybe she was in her womb was the heir of this line and their pride and arrogance would arise and Hagar, Sarah, uh, would become upset. And again, a reminder, when we uh, entangle ourselves with the Lord's plan, um, it doesn't always come out. Uh, uh, the result isn't always what we intended. And uh, we see that tension in Sarah um, and Abram. And now they're in this big chaotic mess where now the baby in the womb, Hagar, has, has fled with her child in the womb into the wilderness of Shur. And as she was going towards uh, this place, uh, the Lord would seek her out and give her comfort and command her to go back home. Go back home to Abram and Sarah. Uh, you know, this is, I think, a, a very important motif here in the in the narrative, because it shows us clearly that it is the Lord who comforts Hagar 
As we read verse 12 and 13, why don't we read that real quick? It's the Lord who comforts her. Verse 11, we'll just read that real quick. Behold, you are pregnant, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So right here, uh, as we see the quick prophecy or the prediction of foretelling of what would be of Ishmael in a sense of, yeah, he was uh, a fiery, uh, he was one of those guys that would uh, get into all sorts of mess uh, and a lot of conflict in the future for Ishmael. Uh, a lot of, uh, like a wild donkey, just unhinged, like just on his own way, uh, impulsive, uh, fickle, all these things. Ishmael uh, would be, as we know, uh, they would be, many a part would be a part of the Midianites. Uh, even present day, uh, when we talk about um, Arabia and all the um, the Arabs, this is this is kind of the offshoot. This is the roots of that. So uh, Ishmael definitely had a storied history as he would grow and. You know, at the end of the day, I, I think the key here is in this moment in time, Hagar is comforted by the Lord's word. And we know this because, uh, greetings uh, to those who are listening, uh, live, thank you for joining me. Always, um, though I can't comment if you are listening um, because I'm on my phone recording this, um, keep the questions coming if you have any. Um, but here we see... Uh, that the key is the comfort that God brings to Hagar as she is in the wilderness. You know, you know, with child in the womb, how distressing this must be that you're out, you know, away from your home. And now the Lord has given you the comfort. And we know this because what does she say in verse 13? So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing, for she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me, right? So the God of seeing, the God of looking after me, right? She is praising the Lord for the one who sought her out, the one who looks after her. This is the comfort of God's word that seeks her out. It's by God who, who, who tells her, uh, as we talk about uh, the angel of the Lord, the, uh, the, the pre-incarnate Christ, it is that word that comforts her, right? Seeing and looking after me. You know, how do we know that God is seeing and looking after us? Is it by feeling? Is it by inkling? Is it by that deep inner gut check? Like, oh, I, I just, I have a hunch that God is seeing and looking after us. I just know he's there. And the question, and I guess when I, when I ask that question, well, how do you know? Uh, a lot of times in this world, people are just relegated to their feelings. People are relegated to their, you know, their inklings and their ideas. When in fact, where, how, and where... Where and how? <laughs> uh, where is the certainty and assurance of that? And right here, first, first or Second Timothy three sixteen, that all Scripture is 
breathed from God. God breathed. Scripture is. Right? And here, by that very word, as we see Hagar, she is comforted by the word of the angel of the Lord. You are comforted by the God-breathed word. That's why you hear God's word. Right? Uh, here you are comforted. Right? You're, 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 you're pointed to the promise, of course. The law of gospel showing us our sin, giving us a remedy in Christ Jesus alone, that by the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's comforting you. How? By the word of God. That's why you study God's word. That's why uh, whoever's listening to this, it's not just a good for you that you're listening to this, but rather it's good for you. Because this word actually does work. We're going to talk about that. God of seeing, God of looking after me. And, and here, when we talk about uh, verse 14, um, as we read it, therefore, before the well was called Bir Lahai, Bir Lahai Roy, right? Bir Lahai Roy. And when we talk about Bir Lahai Roy, oh my God, rolls here. Uh, when we talk about Bir Lahai Roy, this is translated as verse 14. Um, yes. As the well belonging to the living one who has seen me. The living one who has seen me. Bir Lahai Roy. Bir Lahai Roy. Okay, so the living one, God of seeing, God of looking after me, God's word, who is. Living. Again, we, we're going back to this, right? We'll, we'll, we'll see a little later uh, how uh, the Lord says the I am, but the El Shaddai. But here we see the living, right? The living one. So Hagar is addressing the one who gave her the word as the living one. And why is that so important? Because the living one is the living God, and the living God gives to us the living word. That the word gives us life. The word gives us the peace and the comfort and the assurance that is of Christ for us. And for her in this situation, it is the living God, not the dead idols or the statues or, 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 the, you know, uh, or the false idols that they uh, worshipped that day in her day and age of Hagar. But rather, this is the living God. Very important. Because when we talk about living God, it is the one who is with us. The one who is looking after us and, and the one who is omniscient, omnipresent, right? Omnipotent. This is who our living God is. And this is the one who rescued and who guided Hagar back to the house, right? The living one. Very important. You know, the living God, the living word, the living Christ, it all is intertwined, Right? The resurrection of our Lord, the living God, right? This is the living, life-giving word that gives you strength, that gives you, uh, namely, the forgiveness of sins, right? Life and salvation. This is the life-giving word. This is uh, the living one at the well who has seen me. So when you hear God's word, it is the living word. It is God-breathed. 
right? That's why when you come to church and wherever you are, um, whoever's listening to this, go to church. Hear God's word because that's the living word. That's important. That's, that's the vital gift of your life. It's more important than anything else in this word because, world because we very well know that through the scriptures, through the word that is preaching, the preaching of Christ, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. What else is more important? This is living, and that is Christ and his word for you. So here we see the living one who has seen me, and, and now she's thanking the Lord, and, and the result is just as the Lord pr- pr- predicted And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So the angel of the Lord told Hagar to name Ishmael, but the significance of Abram doing this is what? To to show that this is truly, or to to, uh, clarify and to claim that Ishmael is his son. Right? That, that Abram wasn't just kind of out in the boonies or just kind of uh, uh, out of the scene here and, and there alone Hagar would be to name. No, this is Abram who was with uh, Hagar naming Ishmael. And, and there uh, we would see that, um, yeah, at 86 years old, right? What a run so far. Um, so, so again, uh, as we continue on, verse 1, uh, when Abram was 99 years old, again, so Abram, 99, uh, if you want to do the math, you know, carry over the one, Actually, you don't have to carry over anything, he is how old? 13 years later. So 13 years spanned from chapter 16 to the beginning of chapter 17. And in that 13 years, uh, again, uh, you would assume that Ishmael was growing, that, that uh, he was in his uh, terrible teens. Is that terrible twos? I think it's terrible teens. But, you know, terrible teens. Call it that too, I guess. Um, but this is where uh, the Lord says, When Abraham was 99, chapter 17, Genesis the, old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, again, the Lord appeared to Abram, right? It is the Lord who's doing the work. It is the Lord who's bringing his word. It is the Lord by his grace and his mercy who is not a hidden God in a sense of, or a sleeping God, I might say. Um, there is the hiddenness of God, of course, and we, we can uh, probably talk about that in a future. Uh, but he is not a sleeping God, right? He, he is not just winding the clock and letting, you know, letting the clock turn. And he's like, nope, sorry. I'm in hibernation mode. No one bothered me, right? No, God is always there. And here God is working. God is, God is, he is doing the actions. And he appears to Abram and says what? I am God almighty. Remember, as we see God of seeing, God of looking, this is what God did seeking Hagar out. What does Hagar do in response? Bir lahai roi. Uh, the living one who has seen me. And now it's the Lord. He's saying, I am God almighty, right? There is no one who is more supreme or who surpasses who I am as the one true God. I am God almighty. And this is where God will set up the covenant 
that he already told him in Genesis 12 and following Genesis 15, the stars in the sky, all these things of, of what was to come. But here he is setting the tone. This is the one true God, the almighty one who would do what for them? Again, as we look at the future of the Israelites and his offspring uh, through the book of Exodus, uh, through what? The Red Sea, I mean, the Passover lamb and all the plagues, the Red Sea, uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. You know, we talk about bread from heaven, water from the rock. Uh, We talk about uh, the conquest of Canaan. Uh, We talk about the deliverance, right? And ultimately, the Almighty is what? God is almighty that not even death can overcome him in the sending of his son. But three days later, he rose from the dead to conquer death, to answer for sin, to wash away our sins for the forgiveness of our sins and give us by his almighty work the gift of the gospel. Right? I am God almighty. This is who our Lord is. He is above all things, right? Um, And and there, what is the next word? He says, I am God Almighty, walk before me. Right? Uh, When we talk about walking before me, uh, as I look at my um, paper here, uh, you know, we see in Genesis 5, 24, if you you ever want to look that up, uh, Enoch walked with God. Right? Um, Noah also was righteous and he walked with God. Now, again, this walking with God is a a walking um, as a uh, picture of faith. Faith is not, in a sense, where we are perfect in front of God by our own works. Like Noah and Enoch, they weren't sinless. They were sinners like us. They were all born into sin. But the point is, is that their trust in the Lord, their faith was in the Lord. Um, At the end of the day, uh, that is where their trust would cling because their trust would be in who? The Almighty God, the Living One, the One who looks and sees after them, right? Um, and, and this is what it means to walk. Uh, it's a fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Uh, our faith, trusting in who He is and clinging to His promises. Uh, this is what it means to walk, right? Uh, to, to be led, uh, to be guided and, and to walk uh, with God. All right. Also continuing, blameless. Now, again, at the end of the day, what does it mean to be blameless? Right? Um, and, and this is where um, I know one of our uh, church members said uh, on sun, or in our nighttime class, you know, as I do this, I'm re-recording this from our class yesterday, uh, but uh, he would say, um, Abraham believed uh, in the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's what it says in the scriptures there earlier in Genesis. And that's what it is. Blameless is righteousness, right? Blamelessness is righteousness. It's how are you righteous? Now, again, uh, we do not try to rid blame ourselves by our own merits. We're not trying to go on that gauntlet through the hoops and the ladders, hoping that we can achieve that blamelessness. No, it's by the faith, by the righteousness that God has given to us, right? In that very word, ultimately the word of Christ, who is our righteousness, who charges to us his righteousness, who imputes this righteousness upon us as we charge to him our sin. And God dies on the cross and he rises on the third day where there we are blameless. On account of us, there Jesus is. And this is the life of faith. You know, again, the Old Testament, what are they looking forward to? Ever since Genesis 3.15, the Proto-Evangelium, we very well know that they're looking forward to the Christ. They're looking forward to the 
the, the advent of the Savior who would die for the sins of the world. And there in this life of faith, of course, uh, blamelessness is not a human endeavor, but rather it is a faith, faith in the promises of God, right? And, and what he has done. And therefore, this is because of who he is as the Almighty One. Uh, this is the Lord saying, I am the Lord God Almighty. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> walk before me and be blameless, right? That I may, I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly, right? So I make the covenant, right? So you will uh, multiply greatly. Now, you know, this is, I think, when we talk about... Uh, the blessed contradiction, and I and I say that, or I guess another word would be paradox, right? I mean, you look at Abram right now, and uh, there is only Ishmael, right? There, and at ninety-nine years old, good run by the way, ninety-nine. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, ah, I you know I can imagine Abram saying, "Okay, you know, I'm ninety-nine." You know. Look at what's, you know, look at my family line right now and, okay, this is what it is, but then the Lord is saying this at my age, right? I mean, how is that going to be? You know, Luther once said um, on his uh, commentary of Genesis, he says, Now Abraham concludes that the promise has been fulfilled, for at times God lets the greatest saints simply believe even if they do not understand everything. And that's a key here, right? Do you understand everything? You know, there might be a lot of questions that you might have about the faith, about life in itself, or why this, or why that. I get it, totally. I totally get it. Uh, and when we look at Abram, it's the same way. It's like, okay, all right, you say so, if you say so, right? Uh, you give me this covenant, and I'm at my age, the context, again. Uh, but there he would simply believe, even if he could not understand everything. And that is the life of faith. Trusting in the promises of God that he knows above all things and his will is done, which is beyond our human comprehension. There we trust in, in, in what he has done for us. Okay. Um, so, interesting. Uh, verse 3. What is uh, the posture of Abram when he hears these words? Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Abram fell on his face. This is his posture of faith. We see in the previous chapter, actually in 15, chapter 15, where um, when, when the Lord says these words of fear not and all these things, and, and, and Abram would do what? Rather than falling on his face, he would say, no, um, I'm childless. Is my servant Eliezer of Damascus going to be my heir? Right? Um, no questions here. You know, 13 years have, uh, have passed, and, and, and now Abram simply falls on his face. Right? Is it still going to be a roller coaster ride? Yeah, of course. But here we see um, Abram really uh, in an act of submission, right? Submission to submit. Now, who likes to submit? 
The old Adam says, no, no boundaries, my way, my way, my time, my plan, my blueprint, right? My design, right? Right here, uh, that is, all that my is the antithesis of what it means to submit. Submit to God, falling on his face. There he was receiving God's word in the posture of faith. Right? And that's the great tension that we see. Now, when you understand who God is, friends, right? As the Almighty One, as the Living One, as the one who's seeing and looking, what I I can't be my own living little God. I I, I can't look after myself or see after me, right? I, you know, I, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm poor, miserable, weak, and broken. I need the Almighty Living One. I need God Almighty. And there we see Abram really showing us the posture of faith, right? Submission, right? Now, a lot of people will say, what about submission? Oh, you Christians, or you all, all you religious people, right? You know, you have these set of laws, you have to follow them, and if you do good enough, well, you'll be with God and all these things, and well, I don't want that. Too tiring, too constricting, too many boundaries. I want to live as I want to live, right? Now, again, it's more than that, right? It's definitely more than that. There is a demand that God has upon us in the law. But yet, at the end of the day, what does the law show us? It shows us our sin. Right? The law shows us that uh, in our sin, we can't depend on anyone, not even ourselves, but only Christ. Because of who God is, right? Because of who God is and who we are not. The law shows us our sin. The law shows us the separation from God. The law shows us that we cannot save ourselves or rescue ourselves from uh, sin and every condemnation, right? Uh, that is a result of the fall. So, again, it, it is a, a life of faith. It is the posture of walk before me, be blameless before me. And, and there Abram would fall on his face. All right, verse 4 and 5, if we read this together. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Again, multiply greatly. And now he says a little more detailed here, right? Multiply, or you'll be a multitude, sorry. Multiply, all right. We'll just say multiply. Multitude of nations, right? Um, and this is where he's getting even funneling even more into detail, right? Um, and no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name uh, shall be um, Abraham, Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Abram means, you know, I don't know about you, but what does your name mean? That's the significance, I guess. Uh, but for Abram, it's um, exalted father, right? But Abraham... Abraham is exalted father multitude. And the name change is the multitude that would be uh, of the exalted father, and that would be of many nations. You know, who tells him, you know, the name changes, the name calling, right? You will name him Ishmael. You will name him Jesus for you will save people from your sins. Your name will change, right? This is not Abram going to the city county clerk saying, yeah, I, want, I feel like changing my name to Abraham, right? Ironically, that is my 
my oldest son's name, Abraham Jung, right? We call him Abe. Um, but at the end of the day, when we named uh, our son Abraham, it was because of, well, Abraham, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, exalted father, multitude of nations. And that's God's, with his covenant, this is what you will be called. Because this is what will happen. Why? Because I am the Almighty God. I am the Living One. Right? This is the covenant, and this is what will happen. I find that very comforting because all of this is about Jesus. All this is the fruition that is the culmination that is of Christ. The Lord is controlling and he is guiding and leading through his covenant. That this is the story, this is the chapter by chapter where the Lord is fulfilling and the Lord is guiding Abram to Abraham because it shall be done. Many nations. Many nations and kings. Verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come to you, right? So as we look at this right here, uh, it's, it's becoming even more detailed, exceeding, right? And we're talking about fruitful. This is like, uh, this is overflowing with the offspring, right? And we see even kings. So we see the detail that the Lord is saying, this is the blueprint, that even the kings will be part of your royal line. And ultimately, the king of kings, that is Jesus Christ. Of course, we're always about Jesus here at Faith Luther Church of Port by California because it is about the true king, Jesus Christ. The kings would go before you, and, and this is the promise of God. You know, I don't know about you, friends, but thanks be to God that we have the I Am God Almighty. You know, your life is shaped by God Almighty. Your life is comforted by God Almighty. Your life is, is rescued by God Almighty. Because only the Almighty God can do such things because He is the one true God who sends us Jesus Christ. And this is what He is really showing Abram in the blueprint. This is the funnel to which it is going to go, and this is the Lord's will be done. Right? And that's why not even death can overcome you, right? Because Jesus died the death for you. This is the result. It's Jesus. All right, verse 7. I could probably talk about that forever, but... I know I'm trying to keep these at a certain length here, so uh, I won't do that. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, verse 7, throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. To be God to you. From generation to the everlasting covenant to be God to you. What does it mean? Oh, here I'm, I'm going to go, guys. To preface it, I'm probably going to raise my voice because this is kind of the, um, what's the word? This is kind of the, uh, this is it right here. So we're on the top of the roller coaster, uh, <laughs> reaching the, on the verge of what this is all about here. But let's go. To be God to you, right? 
What does it mean that God is to you? What, what does that mean? You know, all this right here is, this is what it means that God is to you. It's not what we think. It's not what we feel. It's not our idea of who our God is for us. It's by the word, the scripture that we hear, right here, where God is telling us from generation to generation, to you and your offspring, there is the everlasting covenant. This is who your God is for you. And that everlasting covenant is, of course, Jesus, who gives you everlasting life. This is who your God is. This is what the Lord is explaining as Hagar would would proclaim Uh, as uh, God would say himself, I am God Almighty to Abram, as God gives the covenant, who's the subject of the verb here? It's all God. It's all his grace. It's all his merciful and bountiful hand. This is who God is for you. Because how do we know? It's by his very word. Luke chapter 1, verse 50. Luke chapter 1, verse 50 says, in the Magnificat, And his mercy is for those who fear him. Again, for his mercy is those who fear him, who walk blameless, from generation to generation. Right? And this is, um, again, when we look at um, the birth of Jesus foretold, as we look at um, in in Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth hearing the greeting of Mary and the baby leapt in the womb. Um, This is Mary's song of praise. She knows uh, right here what is to come. And there she praises the Lord from generation to generation. Right, the mercy of God. This is who God is for us. And that generation from generation, this is all in pointing to Jesus and what he has done for us. This is all that it's pointing to, the everlasting covenant. It doesn't have a warranty period. You know when you get your water heater? I don't know if you have a water heater. It says 10 years, right? 10 years and one day after, sometimes that water heater goes kaput, right? That's not the covenant. This is not a warranty that's limited. This is a lifetime warranty. This is a lifetime everlasting covenant, the promise that God gives. This is who God is for you. Now, how comforting is it to to, to hear that? That you have the everlasting covenant. That means it will not bend or break. Right? This is firm, steadfast, and true. All to the end of the age. From generation to generation, this is who the one true God is for you. How do we know? By the Holy Scripture, by the word that we study, by the word that we hear in the preaching, uh, by the word that we hear in the power of God's word and holy baptism and the Lord's Supper. This is, this is who our God is, and that's why we hear God's word. Right? This is what's happening. It's God's word. It's all God's word being, being uh, uh, instructed and, and commanded and, and being given by the gracious Lord. This is who our God is for us. And there in the life of faith, from generation to generation, we rest upon the everlasting covenant. And that is the word of Christ. So remember that this day. I know it's getting uh, late here uh, in our time, but um, hopefully that helped you today. 
uh, there's a lot of stuff here that would, should give you comfort as you walk in, you know, as you walk in his name, as you walk blameless. That is, as you cling and trust in this life of faith to his word, right? Your posture of faith and the promise therein, right? Everything flows from our gracious Lord's hand. Everything from the, from the daily bread to the bread of life. All about the living one who has seen me, who looks after me, who is the Almighty One, who sees me through by the work of the everlasting covenant that is in Christ alone. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Lord, bless us in this word. Lord, this word that you give to us by your Spirit, grant us peace and faith. Sustain us. You grant us. Um, your word that points us to Jesus. Well, thank you for this time. Bless us in your holy name. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me. This is Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. If you've missed some of it, be kind. Please rewind and get after it. A lot of stuff here. Slow it down. Read. Pause. Play. Read. Pause. Play. Pray. Read again, review. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Pastor Jung here at Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. Love you all, praying for you all. Until next time, Everlasting Covenant is for you. I'll be with you this day. Adios. And goodbye. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.